0: A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. Uh, Join me in just a moment or two, Amy Swear of the Heritage Foundation, who was one of those giving testimony during the uh, House Committee hearing yesterday on uh, gun violence and gun control. uh, Shortly before the House approved a a sweeping uh, set of gun control measures that will go nowhere in the Senate, a performative vote. And uh, according to Amy, very much a politically charged uh, hearing, uh, which was my takeaway from the floor speeches, by the way, last night as well, before these votes were held. Uh, You could this, this wasn't a debate. It wasn't a floor debate. It was supposed to be two hours of debate, but it really wasn't. It was Democrats accusing Republicans of not caring about kids, putting the, uh, the, the the cash from the gun lobby ahead of human lives, uh, and it was Republicans talking about how the proposals from the Democrats aren't going to actually do anything to stop the type of crimes that we're supposedly trying to address. Uh, after the debate, again, the debate was held, uh, the House ended up holding a series of votes, most... Democrats, I think all but four ended up supporting uh, uh, all or uh, some of the measures that they were putting forth, uh, and most Democrats opposed. I think the – excuse me, most Republicans opposed. I think uh, a couple of the gun control votes managed to get like 10 Republican House votes, which – Not a good sign for uh, the gun control activists who are going to get 10 Republican senators to go along with the deal, but uh, that's probably discussion for next week. No deal has been reached uh, at this point anyway, so we don't have any specifics to talk about from that perspective. But we do have a lot to talk about regarding that uh, House hearing and not only what the Democrats want to focus on, but what we really should be talking about, and those areas of agreement that we've actually found that Democrats don't want to act on, even though we all sort of agree, yeah, this is important, yeah, this this matters, this means something, but Democrats say, no, not until we pass these gun control laws. Anyway, take a look and a listen to our conversation with the, the Heritage Foundation's Amy Swear. Amy, thanks so much for coming on the program today, and uh, first of all, I want to thank you for your testimony yesterday during what was You know, listen, I mean, I think the deck was obviously stacked against uh, those who oppose the House gun control measures. This was not designed to be a fair hearing. uh, But you and other, you know, Second Amendment supporters went into the lion's den. And uh, and I I thought you handled yourself very, very well during yesterday's testimony.
1: Yeah, well, I I appreciate that, Cam. And, you know, I like I I in in great sense agree. Um, You know, you just look at the, the setup of the hearing. Uh, very lopsided you know when you're 5v1 one on one on each panel you know they, this is not this is not set up to be something where you want to have meaningful discussions think like you look at uh, not all of the members but you know a lot of the members uh, especially from from the democratic side uh, just the questions that they asked um, even just the opening statements um, from you know the, the, the chairwoman just some of the things that were put into there that were blatant falsehoods um, you know the the tone has been, like I said in my opening statement, it's it's predictable. This whole thing was predictable and it's heartbreaking because this does matter. Uh, they, this matters to you. It matters to me. We live in the same nation. You know, our, our parents teach in the same schools. Our, our kids go to the same schools. We, we live and work in the same places. Uh, we're not unaffected by this. We just care enough to say when the laws you're proposing won't work. And we continue pointing that out and we continue being told the only reason you oppose this is because you hate kids not not because there might be something wrong with the laws that we proposed or there might right. be better alternatives but you know how how dare you it's that you hate kids and it's it is predictable and it's disheartening it,
0: it is disheartening and it is utterly predictable and again i think it takes us further away from doing things of substance doing things that that you know, could actually make a difference here, and no, it wouldn't involve you know banning guns or banning magazines or telling 21 year olds uh, ah, or 20 year olds, ah, you're not old enough to, to buy this uh, firearm yet. But again, that's not that's not the focus. That's not the interest. And I think that tell me if if you agree with me or not, because having watched this unfold over the past couple of weeks, I was in Houston at the NRA meeting. I you know heard Beto O'Rourke, I uh, heard David Hogg, saw the protesters. I get the sense that for Democrats in Washington, D.C., this is all about the politics and they're looking for a political solution. And frankly, I think they're looking for a political solution to their woes in November uh, more than they are looking for a real avenue of, of substantive agreement. Again, probably not on guns, but on mental health, on school security, on a number of other issues. And they are willing to leave all of that aside so they can try to use gun control as a cudgel against Republicans between now and election day.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, look, to, to some extent, this has always been an issue with gun control advocates. It, it's it's very hard to get away from those standard talking points because they do sell politically. Um, you know, I, I think it, it, just the way over the last couple of decades, the, the state of existing laws the state of reality of gun violence has been so mischaracterized in, in the public imagination that it is very easy to sell those talking points to a manipulated public who just really doesn't understand and doesn't care to listen anymore mm-hmm. um you know and especially you add into that the emotional charge that comes after very clearly horrific tragedies like like, like all day uh like like Tulsa which is you know, just sort of been swept under the rug. You know, no one's talking about Tulsa, um, or um, you know, it, it's. I I think they, there's obviously a political component to it, but I, on the one hand, there there's always a political component to anything you do in Congress. Um, I I will say, you know, that this was one of the more politically charged hearings that I've been. It's the first time I've been accused of perjury for clickbait, You know, like like the legs. The lengths that some uh, members went to to talk about anything, anything other than the actual issues at hand, right? To like go back to twenty nineteen to pull, you know, one conversation out of context with, you know, no, no intention of giving me a chance to respond or explain, but just feel like perjury. So now the whole thing becomes this clickbaiting nonsense, so that we don't have to talk about the issues. And I think that really shows you where their hearts are at, where yeah. their minds are at. Like, this is. This is not how public policy is supposed
0: to work. It, it, it's not, but it unfortunately, I think, is how DC works, as you point out, on a all too regular basis. Um, and listen, I don't, I don't want to spend our entire conversation here talking about that
1: yeah.
0: uh, a character assassination attempt by Representative Katie Porter on, on you yesterday, no, no, but nor,
1: nor, nor should we, because, like I said, it's beside the point. Like, please, yeah. that, like, let's talk about substance. <laughs>
0: Uh, But would you like to explain, since Representative Porter did not give you a a chance to, would you like to explain why she's wrong when she said that you were lying about what uh, Representative David Cicilline's uh, ban on so-called assault weapons would do?
1: This idea that just because you've grandfathered in 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 a very vague way, you've grandfathered in pre-existing guns, does not mean that when you look at the rest of the bill in context, there are not a dozen other ways that otherwise law-abiding gun owners are very much at risk immediately, immediately at risk of, within the blink of an eye, becoming felons for basic things that, again, come down to possessing features, whether it's pistol grips or, you know, uh, magazines that you think aren't good anymore. Just the, it is, it is incredible to me that anybody could look at that bill seriously and not understand how at risk Otherwise, law-abiding, peaceable gun owners are for a yeah. piece rip or a magazine that you no longer think is constitutional. Constitution. It's, it's, it's absurd, but it's, you know, again, it's why she didn't want the answer to the question. She actually doesn't care to know how dangerous that bill could be for peaceable citizens. Uh, it was never the point.
0: No, any more than, you know, talking about what we've seen in states that have. I mean, look, you talk about the grandfather clause and we've seen this from California, from New Jersey. Democrats have no trouble whatsoever going back and saying, oh, you know, what? we're going to amend this law. We're going to take out that grandfather clause. And now those, you know, in the case of California, New Jersey, these magazines that you've lawfully possessed for decades well, now it's going to be a crime if you don't turn right. them over, if or, you don't destroy them, if you don't get what, them out of the state.
1: What they'll do is they, they will very vaguely and without you know specifying anything to the contrary say, OK, well, large, quote unquote, large capacity magazines, those are grandfathered in. The possession is grandfathered in for the owner. So if your wife even so much as takes possession of your gun with its high capacity magazine, you've now conducted a transfer any legal transfer she is now in legal possession of that high capacity magazine People are like oh no that was never the intent we it's if it's not the intent don't have the law written in such a way that it's not at all clear that that's not prohibited because that's what the law prohibits uh, which again is entirely the point and not what she wants to hear yeah. um you know it, so it's
0: uh, so, so let me ask you amy uh, what do you think we should be talking about here um, again, I mean, you know, listen, Greg Stuby. I think, last night on the floor of the House pointed out that according to I think this is the FBI's own crime statistics, um, there were, I think, approximately 0.1, no, 0.3 percent of 18 to 20 uh, year olds who were accused of a violent crime. And I think it was 0.013 percent of 18 to 20 uh, year olds were accused of a homicide So the idea, again, of, you know, we're going to we're going to target these uh, young killers by casting young adult that that doesn't fly with me. Um, You and I have talked before about the problems with the red flag laws, these specific issues we have. But I'm curious to know what should we be talking about instead of these gun control policies that don't get us any closer to a safer society, but do strip Americans of their right to keep and bear arms?
1: Right. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it's a comprehensive solution. And I think this was something that got lost on a lot of members yesterday. It was, you know, it's, it's not one thing specific. It's not, you know, one thing, one thing. It's, it's all of these things combined because violence is, is very, you know, it, it's, it's complex in nature. Right? There is no one solution. But so you look at the different components, right? So we know that one of the things that has almost certainly, uh, increased, uh, violent crime uh, and led to that increase in violent crime in a lot of uh, states and, and localities, but some cities in particular, um, was some of the, the the lack of policing, if you will. You know, wh- whether it's you look at it from from rogue prosecutor standpoints, um, you know, I think there's a, a whole lot of. Of evidence for that where you fail to enforce the law, where you tell communities that parties are evil, it, it breaks that 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 bond of trust. You need to rebuild that bond of trust. You need to rebuild a lot of these decimated police forces um, because that matters. You know, is, is that a hard thing for the federal government to to step up and be like, yeah, we can enforce federal laws, but we can't make state and local prosecutors do the same? Yes, but it's still part of the conversation that needs to be had. Um if you want to talk about specifically preventing tragedies like revolving um, you know what, what was mind blowing to me is is we we will talk about universal background checks until the cows come home. Mm-hmm. These shooters, with again perhaps one exception in the last 20 years, already passed or were capable of passing background checks would not have stopped mm-hmm. single one of them. What almost certainly would have saved 21 lives in Uvalde, but keeps getting locked, is a single locked door. And again, that's that's not to blame the teacher. I, I you know I, I I think there's very clear evidence at this point that the teacher thought the door was locked, Um, but had that door been locked, the cops are now confronting that kid outside of the school instead of inside of the school while he's barricading himself into a classroom. That's a very different context uh, to confront. Um, Again, is that always going to save lives? No. Has it prevented at least a couple that I'm aware of in just the last year where someone was prevented from getting inside of the school? Yes, This, this is important. Um, you know, these are features that you walk into the halls of Congress. You just can't walk into any unlocked door. You know, people will be like, oh, well, we don't want to make our schools in prisons. Do you feel like you work in a prison when you walk into an office building that has secure access points and limited points of, of you know public entry? No, of, of course not. You know, there are ways of overdoing it, but these are basic components of physical security. Um, you know, one of the things that we all agreed on, it basically everybody on all of these panels agreed on was investing in the nation's mental health infrastructure, especially in schools. We have $100 billion in unused COVID relief spending that has already been appropriated to schools. This is not new money. This is money that's already sitting there. Allow schools to use it to fund, you know, n- not not CRT, not sort of a, a, a licensed mental health professionals. Give these kids mental health resources. Give them a, a lifeline. Give them, give their peers you know, a, a way to report to people who are better capable of understanding risk assessment, um, you know, use the resources that we have at the federal level to train uh, states and localities uh, who often don't have their own sort of behavioral risk assessment or, or threat assessment um, frameworks. Train them in the things that we know work so that we don't have scenarios like Parkland and Uvalde, where everyone is seeing these signs, but there's no like coherent local framework to be like, yeah, you know, that, that kid seems like a threat given that his nickname on his social media platform is uvalde's school shooter you know like things like that are i don't know why there's any disagreement on this you know even if you think even if you think that you know a we want to run all high capacity magazines out of circulation over the next several decades what are you doing right now what are you doing in the meantime
0: Well, that's the that's the thing, right? I mean, and you say there was even agreement during the hearing yesterday that this is something that we need to be focused on and something that we need to be doing. And yet again, Democrats are like, no, not until we have gun control, Uh, which it it is infuriating. And, you know, I got to tell you, I mean, this is something that I have thought a lot about over the past couple of years, in particular, since the start of the pandemic. And we've seen our kids, you know, pulled out of school. Um, My daughter uh, tried to do remote learning for nine weeks. It was an absolute disaster. We ended up homeschooling her for a year. Um, but, you know, my kids have been in counseling just because of the, the stresses of life over the past couple of years, you know, COVID related, their mom being sick. And I think that we are in a cycle right now where we are sort of looking at, you know, one narrow slice of the problem when, instead of looking at the entire elephant, so to speak, right? So somebody's over there, oh, I'm feeling like it's, it going to sound like a snake, you know, and they're looking at the tail or feeling the tail. Right. But I talk about these deaths of despair. And I would include the 19 children and the two teachers who were murdered in Uvalde, Texas, as casualties of a of a death of despair. This was somebody who I believe wanted to die, wanted to take as many people with him as possible uh, and, again, was able to do so because of a, a series of failures. But these are isolated incidents. These are really rare occurrences. We have a much broader problem, I think, w- within the same umbrella of the deaths of despair of 100,000 drug overdose deaths in this country, a record high last year, 100,000 alcohol-related deaths in this country. Teen drinking deaths, teen drug overdose deaths are rising. I don't know why, and this to me I think is all part and parcel of the same topic, and it can all be addressed in various ways through expanding access to mental health, as you say, in the schools, outside of the schools. This well, is something it's, it's, we all agree on. So why 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 yeah. aren't we seeing anything done here?
1: And it's and it, and it's also things. I mean, you you brought up COVID, right? I I don't think you can overstate the impact that the loss of a lot of these services, especially in urban communities that mm-hmm. are most plagued by gun violence, it, whether it's it's gang violence, uh, w- whether it's like formal gang violence intervention programs, or whether it's informal networks that provide kids with safe spaces and opportunities and, and methods of you know, essentially that are essential for human flourishing. Um, You know, so many of those things got shut down during COVID. Uh, You want to talk about domestic violence and some of the increases that we're seeing in domestic violence because people are stuck inside their homes without the normal outlets, without the normal methods of, you know, having... Um, you know, whether it's access to resources, access to, access to the ability to get away, access to other people who are going to see that you are being emotionally or physically abused, and then even on top of that, all of this stress that just come with that normally. I don't know if you've seen like the 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 absurd number of people who are like picking fights in airports and getting thrown off airplanes and you know harassing flight attendants. Road rage is up. People are just on edge. Like, like people's threshold level for patients is, is, and, and so when you add those stressors to people who are already on edge, you know, whether it's like the kid in Baldi, um, you know, whether it's the loss of a job, whatever, it, 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 it makes somebody that much more likely to sort of clip that switch into violent behavior, um, or to fall back into, you know, if we're talking about, um, more like urban centered violence into, those sorts of behaviors. I mean, how do you talk about the the absenteeism rate in schools right now is still absurd because once you get kids behind in that way, well, of course, they're not going to go back to school. Of course, they'd rather be out. You know, like D.C. right now is experiencing this massive increase in in juvenile uh, carjackings, and a lot of them aren't. You know, at times when kids should be in school, this is a problem. You know, this is not some easy, quick fix. And to pretend that you know, if we, well, we can just say, well, let's ban the future sale of certain types of guns to eighteen to twenty-year-olds, and that's going to fix our problem. Uh, you know, you, you don't understand the problem at that point. You haven't even begun to try to understand the problem.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, you're right, and I got to say, it's it's why I am uh, I am very pessimistic that anything that comes out of Congress uh, right now is is going to be of a substantial benefit. Um, you know, we'll see what the Senate, if they can come to any sort of agreement. I'm all in favor again of expanding access to mental health. I think uh, Chuck Grassley's Eagles Act, which would increase funding for the uh, National Threat Assessment Center, that's run by the Secret Service. I think that would be a solid uh, improvement. But honestly, I'm just I, I don't I don't even know if that's going to be a part of the final discussion. So. I guess my last question for you, Amy, is: you know, given that this is sort of the the state of the debate in Washington D.C., do you think that states, particularly you know, red states, conservative-run states, should they be taking the lead on doing some of these things? And have Republicans not done enough? Have 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 Republicans paid lip service to the idea in the past of uh, improving mental health services, and then really haven't followed through? Is it time for us to step up our game? uh on these things that we say really can make a difference
1: yeah no i i mean i i think that's a fair point um i i think it's it's time for everybody to step up um you know and I, I know some states have made efforts into this i i know florida you know, made has made attempts uh after after parkland and i i think frankly to great effect um you look at like Florida school shootings and, and interventions which i think you're you're starting to see some of those better outcomes um but, you know, I, I think across the board, again, it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, we need to, to, to fund something. Uh, you know, it's, it's another thing to actually do the, the work of it while still being fiscally conservative, while not going overboard, while you know, still being responsible with taxpayer money. Uh, but again, a, a lot of these things that we're talking about in the long term actually are fiscally responsible. It's much more fiscally responsible to stem the problem at its source uh, and, and to enable a lot more people to, to For us as human beings to to thrive, to be uh, you know law-abiding members of of society, than it is to just let it sort of rot and be like, oh, we'll we'll fund more prisons, Um, you know, and and still have these problems. And so, you know, it's that's not to call out any one state or you know what, but but this is something that's like, if we're going to say this, we have to be serious about this. Um, And and I, I think far more conservatives have to actually take that seriously um, and and try to put that into into action, into actionable policy that is actually.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and I, listen, I I agree with you. I think Democrats need to do that too. I know you're not calling anybody out, but uh, uh, you know, we can't control what Democrats do, Uh, but but as conservatives, (laughs) we can absolutely push our own uh, elected representatives to, to do these things. And you know, we see it in, in Virginia, where where I live, where we've got a critical shortage of inpatient beds for people who are in crisis. Oh, yeah. You've got people who are sitting in jail cells for days at a time because there's literally no room for them at a mental health facility. Um, you know, it, it is it is a problem, I think, across the country. And you're right. I think it is time that we actually start to take some of this seriously. And frankly, what we're hearing from Democrats, I think, are largely very unserious proposals that uh, don't get us any closer to a, a safer society, but do make us less free and frankly increase the danger uh, that we might face from, you know, violent criminals and predators in our midst. Uh, Amy, listen, I really appreciate you joining us on the program today. It is always good talking to you. It has been far too long, but I hope we get a chance to do this again very soon. Yeah,
1: no, I appreciate you having me on and I look forward to the next time.
0: Now, that was a a beefy conversation, so I tell you what, we're going to skip today's uh, good deed of the day, our recidivist report, but I, I would be remiss if I left you for the weekend without an armed citizen story. So let's talk about this case out of Tampa, Florida. Here's the headline. Tampa dating app meetup leads in robbery, attempt, and homicide. A woman's been arrested on a murder charge after deputies say she set up a meeting that ended with her brother being shot and killed. Uh, Tatiana Makiva Gaston 23 years of age uh, Arrested last Friday Charged with second degree murder In connection with the shooting that took place back on May 31st She was released by the way From jail same day she was arrested uh, After she posted $15,000 bail Police say that uh, Gaston Matched with a person on the dating app BLK Who was posing as a 22 year old Woman named Jada She asked the person to meet her at an apartment complex where her 18-year-old brother was waiting with the intention of robbing them. Uh, That brother, Jermon Kennard. And according to the uh, Tampa Bay Times, when Kennard, who was wearing a mask, threatened the person with a knife, that person shot Kennard with a gun that was concealed in their waistband. Kennard taken to a Tampa General Hospital where he died of gunshot wounds to his head and to his chest. Gaston later told police that she her brother was going outside to sell somebody an iPhone. She said she then went outside the apartment complex to check on him and saw a guy she didn't know walking away from a, a car that was parked near the building. She couldn't find her brother and she said she heard five gunshots. She identified the uh, man as the quote boy who killed her brother. But police say that text messages contradict Gaston's story. So in that she had asked her brother to come outside before this person showed up. Uh, the Tampa Bay Times also reports that nearby motion sensor cameras captured the robbery and placed Kennard and Gaston at the scene. Uh, the knife uh, was not visible in the footage. The shooting was not captured on video. Uh, police say that even though she did not pull the trigger, she's still being charged in her brother's death because of a Florida statute that says when a person is killed in a felony or an attempted felony, such as a robbery, anyone involved in the crime can be charged with murder. As for the intended victim, we actually don't know a whole lot about it. I mean, it sounds like. Again, this was somebody – while Gaston was posing as somebody who wanted a date, this guy was apparently posing as a 22-year-old woman who wanted a date, uh, which raises some other questions entirely. Again, we don't know all of the circumstances uh, surrounding this meetup, uh, but from all accounts, it appears that the uh, 22-year-old who shot and killed the uh, 18-year-old suspect in self-defense – is not going to be facing any charges. Uh, I, I, I don't know what charges they would be facing. Certainly not any charges in connection with uh, acting in self-defense. And I guess catfishing or posing as a 22-year-old woman when you're actually a guy isn't a crime, although it, uh, it's a little weird. Anyway, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I do appreciate you being a part of the program. Don't forget, we will be back with another Cam and Company on Monday, but we'll be constantly updating bearingarms.com. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with all of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about, and there is a lot going on these days, so I would encourage you to visit the website, check out what's going on, share all the information with uh, your friends and fellow Second Amendment supporters, and again, I look forward to being back with you on Monday. Uh, If you like what you see at BarronArms.com, by the way, you can always become a VIP subscriber. All you have to do, go to BarronArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, analysis, stuff you won't get anywhere else because it's just for you, our VIP subscribers, because your support does matter, and it does make a difference. So hope you have a great weekend. Talk to you again on Monday. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.